Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rimple. And I'm Carl Edwards. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. Well, Claudia, this is our final episode of this series on accountability, what we're calling uh, tangible accountability, real concrete ways we come alongside each other to make things work. And we've been talking about having a basis, a kind of a structure for our accountability, and we've broken this down over the last three weeks on different areas that accountability can work for us, providing structure, providing relationship for support, motivation for learning. And today we're talking about criteria for measurement. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we've got this economic meltdown going on and on the tragic side of the world. And we've got a lot of very ambitious plans for a better tomorrow with maybe universal health care and education available to all on the positive side or the hopeful side. And yet, uh, what that might look like, we have no idea. And this is a big problem when you set out to do things, set up projects, make promises, want something to happen. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked well. This is our assertion to just hold out the general, vague, almost arbitrary, positive picture to actually get somewhere that somewhere has to be better defined. That's what we want to talk about today is meaningful ways to put some definition on the the picture. What's it going to look like? What's it going to cost? How's it going to work? And then you've got actual data, pictures, facts that if they transpire, you know whether they transpired or not. There is either if the goal is to universal health care is is general, but if there, um, another way to say that is there is uh, access to an emergency room um, within five miles of every American. Now, I'm not pretending that's a realistic goal, but it's a, what I want to point to is it's a concrete one. It's a different way of saying universal. It's saying that something's close enough and has the required resources for everyone to access them. Now, for most of us, when we talked about a structure for constructive progress, that's going to be something we meet. So if it's, you know, taking care of our clients, of, you know, making a certain number of products in a year, et cetera, that structure is fine. But what you're suggesting is even if things go positively and you reach your goals, you need more of criteria to measure if that progress was as good as it could be. Exactly. Because as long as it's vague between the beginning when you know you're nowhere and the end when you know that you're done, then you've got all sorts of different interpretations of what's going on. And any given manager, probably even if unconsciously out of self-defense, is going to feel that they've got things a little more under control than maybe someone who's not in their department or their supervisor might. Teams spend a lot of time arguing over whether we're really in a good situation or not. And we hear that in the news all the time with the corporations. I mean, we've known the uh, financial model of the auto industry isn't sustainable for 30 years now. And yet those within it are still convinced if they just had a little more time and a little more money, they could make it work. So they're not insincere, but you know, it's, it's all promises. It's all, we'll come up with something, we'll come up with something. And something is too vague. In this case, the government is calling them on that something and saying it needs to have more measurable criteria for how you're going to go about things differently than just saying it's going to be different. So let's just go back to the universal healthcare thing. That's a very exciting idea in a world where there's more and more things out there that may make you sick or kill you, and it's more and more expensive to navigate. So it's a very exciting goal on the one hand. But on the other hand, when there's not measurable criteria for what that's going to look like, 
when you know the government is handling something like that, it could look a lot of different ways. And it probably will look like something like a set of rules that a hospital has to follow when they come across certain symptoms, this is what you have to do. And you have to do it for everybody and you have to do it for everybody the same and the same equally. That's really not how health or medicine works. You need a little judgment in there. So in an example where a lot of judgments needed, you're coming up with a solution which no judgments allowed. And uh, we know from past things that people don't get the care they need. So you're actually maybe creating a situation where people don't get the care they need in a context where everyone feels it's available. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. Now, I don't have the alternative solutions for that particular thing, but what we're suggesting is if you gave things concrete form, actual criteria of what that standard of care was that you want everybody to have, then you would be able to look at what any given hospital is doing or isn't doing and saying you are or you aren't providing that criteria of care. Same with the goal with the company. You don't have to worry about how every employee is spending their time. You just know that on the, by the end of the month, a certain maybe volume of work and a number of sales need to be made. And so at the end of the month, you have something to talk about, why it was made and how we can make more or why it wasn't made and what we talked about last week, what learning needs to take place so it doesn't happen again. In all of our business relationships, to be competitive, to be relevant in business, you want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have criteria for measuring even what you do well, you may not be the best. You may not be the best you're capable of being. And that's really where you want to be. Exactly. Again, we're not attacking anybody here. We're not calling anybody wrong. We're just saying that words like best and do as much as you can are too vague to actually help you know if there's things, ways you need to improve or not. And so what you end up with is a situation where the supervisors always think there's more room for improvement. Oh, well, you know, you know, even if you do great sales that month, they can say, well, you should have done more. And if there's not enough, you know, there's no way to explain why that was maybe another circumstance, like in our tough economy now, where even a few sales is an enormous triumph. It does leave those things that can't be measured that are as important in a business, but really make it is, you know, you may have had a number of sales, but were your clients treated the best possible? Did you give them the amount of time that they needed? Did you listen to their needs? Were you, you know, attentive to and, you know, able to anticipate their needs? And those are the things that make companies a little bit more distinct, a little bit better. And those are things sometimes you can't measure with just statistics, but are criteria for measuring if you were a success or not in certain areas. Exactly. And it gives you a tool to work with. So this is why teams have to sit down and come up with these criteria so that it's not just as much or as most in the least amount of time for the least expense as possible. So, okay, so let's throw out a few of these. So one is sales goals. Is that a number you're shooting for? Another way is to set some criteria we're measuring customer satisfaction, that you have a way that even if you're selling a lot, you may be alienating your customers in the long term and all the um, arm twisting you did to get all those sales out of them this month. So there, a strategy that benefited your one measurement, your sales numbers actually sabotaged your long-term client satisfaction. So you, in this case, we need them both. And that's what we're saying. So you got sales goals, you got customer satisfaction. We could have, you know, criteria 
on the effectiveness of your process, how long things took, and kind of your efficiency, so that you're looking at that. You're not looking at it in general, but you said, I wanted to be able to do such and such in a week, and it took three weeks. Again, since we're in learning mode, not in blaming mode, it's not the end of the world, but it gives us something to look at. We set one week, it took three, why do we need to do something different or not? Well, and I do think that these are often things that we don't talk about because they're uncomfortable and we think they involve criticism of mm. a, of each other, of our bosses, of our employees. And so we tend to avoid this. But as always, we say the reality check is that even though you're, you think that those things, by not bringing them up, that you're saving yourself some sort of uncomfortable situation, people in your company are going to talk about it. It goes on anyway. It goes on anyway. They know. Everybody knows. So being able to freely talk about it in terms of something that's about the work, it's about taking pride in learning, will change the culture of your workplace. Exactly. And if you have objective criteria, that becomes the subject. And it's not the innuendo, and it's not the interpretation, and it's not the blaming that's going on. It's that we wanted to do X, and Y actually happened. You'd set out X. That's your criteria. Y happened, so you go into learning mode, like we discussed last week, and what needs to change, or maybe it's the criteria that needs to change. Maybe it's not reasonable for this economy. Um, You're doing it in relationships of support. So you're all trying to get each other there, so you're checking in, and, and that's why you're having this conversation. You know, we've got this structure that's organized around where you want to go and when you want to get there. And with this stuff in place, it becomes what I call infrastructure. Over time, you don't even see it anymore. You don't see what goes into the freeways and subways and that make it possible for us to get around. You just get around. Well, Carl, I've certainly enjoyed this topic of accountability, particularly because I hope some of our listeners, and particularly those who have have situations where they have powers to implement this, we'll really take a look at, at accountability in the way that we want to express it as a tangible accountability that actually works for you instead of the alternative. Exactly. Let's make this a positive thing. We're all trying to accomplish great things in our businesses and these tools help us get there. Well, thank you for joining us. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed and learned a little bit on our series on tangible accountability. As always, we welcome your comments or questions on our website at boldenterprises.com. Join us next time as we'll be celebrating our 100th podcast. 100. 100 podcasts in the works. And we'll just be having a fun time of it, talking about some of the things we've enjoyed over the past 100 podcasts. We're just going to have a chat fest. We're just going to have a chat fest. And George, our producer, will be joining us. Shout out, George. George shouted out. See you next time.